Welcome to another episode of Football 360. I'm your host, Kareem Timbers, and today I have a special guest, uh, a best uh, friend, childhood friend growing up, uh, Taraka Patterson. Sorry. Peace. Peace, Peace, man. How you doing, brother? Excellent, man. Excellent. You know, just uh, creating, staying, (laughs) staying loose, staying uh, active here in these wild times we in right now yes indeed man there are definitely some uh interesting times uh we're dealing with man but you know we we will get through it man you know we've been through we've been through a lot but we'll get through it so that, that's the most important thing and i'm glad to um you know hear your family and everybody's helping everybody's doing well so that that's important very important um but yeah man i'm glad to have you on the uh podcast as you know we go way back um uh, and you know uh, obviously, just launched the uh, the podcast a few months back. So, um, but excited to have you on. So, in doing so, just real quick, you know, um, obviously we, we played ball, childhood football, um, you know, high school ball. And you obviously, played college football. So, uh, we we're going to get into that today, and also talk about um, your music musical conquests and, um, and and your passion for music. And how that's played a key role in your life as well. So let's just get right into it. Um, so just real quick, Taraka, you know, for the audience, for the, for the listeners here, I should say, um, just give give a, a brief background on your family, you know, growing up and, and presently. Cool. Yeah. So you know, I I always like to I kind of joke around say that I had the the privilege of enjoying the the joys of a broken household <laughs> and. Uh, and I, I phrase it like that only because uh, I, I have a great relationship with both my parents. Uh, but they they separated when I was two, um, and I, I was born in New York. But when they're both artists, first of all, both musicians, and the 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 activity of life allowed me to be in a lot of different places. And because I call it the joys of a broken household, kind of because since it happened so early, there was. <clears throat> it was a, a normal thing for me. So I wasn't uh, experiencing as much of like this fallback from, oh no, mom and dad aren't together. It was just like I was living life in in, in a broader area. So um, I am a, I, I, there's nothing but artists in, in, in my family and everybody does a lot of different things, but everybody's got an artistic component to them. My father is a guitarist, producer, composer, um, and my mother is a singer, grandfather, saxophonist, my grandmother is visual artist. Um, and so growing up, I was kind of surrounded in creative space uh, all, all the time. And um, and while we were in New York, basically till I was about seven, then my mom moved to Chicago um, at that point and so then I was going between New York and Chicago I would come to see my pops in in the city and I was going to school in Chicago um and that kind of added this whole new dynamic this new space and new environment that started to shape me also obviously that's where we met and um and, and you know yeah, man, and, and so the family expanded immediately because you know we've we've been brothers going back to fourth grade, and um, and, and so I think uh, you know the 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 dynamics of how much uh, of moving around a lot uh, growing up 
kind of sh- helped shape my mind in a lot of different ways of just kind of being making me adaptable without knowing what that word was it was just you know you had to adapt because we were going someplace new um and and in each spot kind of looking for those uh the things the relationships that were going to be supportive of of development you know and obviously as a kid you're not thinking of it in those terms but looking back in hindsight that's what happened and that's where uh that's how we were able to come together and and form a bond a brotherhood a friendship um and 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 just the same in in the midst of all the same uh, artistic um just space that was that I was living in uh with my family their football came into the into the equation really early so you know you got and I'm saying what fourth fifth grade for is when the football bug really bit me <laughs> and it was like starting to take off and 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 you know and growing up also I don't want to over glamorize when I say the joys of a broken household or anything like that yes. you know we had we had a lot of stuff that we were all working through and with limited support you know um and so football became something that was an outlet uh in a lot of respects one just it was just there the love was there it was even though you know my father didn't play football I kind of I have a clown on him sometimes cuz he he always talks about how he was in the band at the games and how he didn't want to get hit and yeah <laughs> And, and he actually said he actually had a story about how he he uh he played football with Willie Fry. Okay. Um and how he got rocked at practice and, that, and he said that was the last day he played football. <laughs> and that's when he was a short. Turn them pads in quick, huh? It turned them pads in, man. It's not bubbles. Not for everybody. <laughs> you know that. No. No, not at all. So, you know, I, I think for one just to to have the the love of the game that that was enjoyable uh, that was a, a, an instant kind of just like you know just a natural uh attraction but then it it became deeper because it was also this outlet for this young boy who while I had a relationship with my dad he was a, he was in New York and I was in Chicago so there are a lot of things that when you're missing just a man, a father figure who's right there yeah. that that come up, you know, and you have these uh, a lot of frustrations and a lot of different things oh, yeah. and, and being in the city and all the stuff that <clears throat> that was just like the the challenges we face, you know, as far as the gang stuff that was just crazy and, and in a lot of respects that was like, you know, you had kids trying to make sense of of why you can't wear wear your hat a certain way or why you can't wear a certain color and why somebody might just chase you just because and whatnot it can create some uh some breaks in in your in your stream of thought and in your understanding of self and understanding of your environment and so having football was also this outlet to, for frustrations where you could be celebrated for being violent sure. <laughs> and 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 at the same time kind of productively uh, direct that energy um, so that it wasn't so much about hurting people even though you were trying to break people off back in the day always you know but it was it was about it was within the game you know it was because 
because getting a, a a big hit was gonna was gonna build your team, build for your team. Yeah. It was gonna be something that was gonna advance you in the game. But there was that extra little thing that you might have been able to get a let out a little something that you couldn't let out during the day. Yes, <laughs> you know. Yes, that. and that, that's and the so, thing, man. Um, I mean, yeah. to interject here real quick, but. It was a it was a yeah. different game we played. The game was different than what the game is now. The game was out more yes, physical. It was about, all about the physicality. Uh, you you, you oh, mentioned yeah. fourth and fifth grade. Um, you, 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 when you begin to kind of fall in love with the game of football, do you re, do you can you refer to uh, the exact um, time or moment um, of what drew you to football? Was it you know, a certain player or something you saw on TV or exact moment that kind of drew you to football? You know, even as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's probably a little bit sooner than that. It's probably more like second, third grade. Because this is when, and this, that's when I came to Chicago. And so, because the the, uh, musical community that I was in, in New York, was way more, I was way more immersed in it. It was a bigger scene. There was a lot of movement. And my father was really really active working with everybody and and from television uh touring and doing a lot of different things filmed um and so chicago was a different scene and my mom kind of came to chicago to kind of get away from the music business like the uh, so the i remember going to uh lincoln elementary school uh, and I, this is right before I came to Nettle Horse and in the morning it was this it was this, I feel like I, every school everywhere was having the same kind of ritual where you show up to school early mm-hmm. and you're gonna get you gonna get that pickup game in mm-hmm. and the 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 first kind of it's, it's kind of funny because the the first thing that really kind of propelled me over to football <laughs> was a moment where I was playing little league baseball and my mom, you know, you know my mom, her name is Flame, and she's firing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> she was very much very, very much passionate. So I should say I should say like that. Very passionate. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. She she leads with her heart. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and, and so I was at a little league baseball game and I'm going up to bat and she's on the side and she screams, let's go, boo, hit a touchdown. And I was so just mortified. I was like, no, she did not just tell me to hit a touchdown. And everybody probably <laughs> looking at, man, what's going on, man? I'm like, oh, man, come on. You know, my little pride was hurt. <laughs> and it's, it's, and I, I didn't want to play baseball no more, man. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm done with this. Okay. <laughs> and and so getting into football, I think getting exposed to, uh, you know, at that at that time, if I'm saying a football player who just jumped out, Barry Sanders was just like this 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 figure. Barry Sanders and Jerry Rice were these larger than life figures, along with the the superhuman Bo Jackson yeah. <laughs> that I think there, that was like for me my early points of contact and, and, I, and, I, and I would be remiss not to say Lawrence Taylor also you know that I, I always had my links my connection my my roots in New York so everything on the New York scene was always in my mind 
in in LT, you know, he he transcended New York. We're talking about just universally great. Yeah. <laughs> no matter where you are. And so I think while I wasn't even understanding the game in great depth at the point, there were these figures who did things that I was just like, whoa. And then honestly, it was it was our relationship, man. Like when our relationship came about, your passion for the game was contagious. And it made me jump deeper in. Man, I remember we'd be in class and you'd be right drawing little little football scenes from <laughs> 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 little figures. That's <laughs> Have a little me. guy running stiff arming somebody and <laughs> with the little scoreboard and everything. And so there were I think again the I, I I was starting to fall in love with the game through the relationships, which is why where I think it was able to take even deeper roots because football was like a person. <clears throat> And, and football was the people that I was uh, connected to as I engaged it, as I started to engage the game. So as those relationships grew, so did the love for the game and vice and, and vice versa. You know, as the love for the game grew, I think it made it open up channels for us to develop our friendship in deeper ways and, and to develop other friendships over over the years that that really stuck so that's a real real long-winded way of <laughs> of identifying that moment but i don't even think i really ever thought of it to try and pinpoint it to one mm-hmm. spot because it's like an era an era where football came in and was like yeah 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 we here <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> let's stick, let's stick to that uh point for a minute you, you, you made i appreciate you sharing that your, your personal story there regarding your, your passion and love for football, how it got started. And you talked about the relationships. You know, I think a lot of people who who don't play team sports don't really understand that. And for the, you know, the, the um, listeners um, uh, now, um, just talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the about the camaraderie, about the relationships that, that you work, that you did build through football and, and you know, the lasting impact that, that has on you. Yeah, well, you know, I, 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 football is 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 life. You know, it, 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 in so many respects, you have a. First off, I don't. I mean, I, I, I never even really thought about it, but I don't really have to. I mean, I don't think there's a, t- a team sport where you have more people on the team than in football, and the more people are in any given space, the more dynamics are there, and the more dynamics you have to navigate, and so. Being on a team of uh, what I mean, we talk fifty to seventy people at different at different points in life. You know, not as many in those younger years. You are having to figure out how to work with all these people in order to accomplish a goal of winning this of winning a game. And in the midst of that, the process that goes into preparing requires you to work independently and collectively and so and it also requires you to take whatever it is you bring in with you to practice and either make it uh, uh something that's gonna serve uh the common cause productively or to leave it out you know or to just leave it or, or to leave it at the field you know leave it <laughs> leave it in the locker room before you go out onto mm-hmm. the like and i think the the demands of that and just the discipline that was connected to being great uh, created this common ground immediately that was so precious that 
it opened up these different uh, kind of doors, these different paths for you to connect with people and hear somebody and and develop a language, whether it was literally learning a, 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 the same playbook and be, and knowing that you can speak to somebody in shorthand because you got you have signals that you might not even have to say something. You could just be able to communicate with your eyes, hand signals and everything like that. Uh, ultimately, I, what I'm really speaking to is the heart of it. It's communication, man. When you have uh, all these opportunities to practice communicating and practice communicating for a goal, you are going to get, you're going to develop these bonds because you're going to express things and especially in football, which is an emotional game as well, you're going to be in a raw space. And when you're in a raw space with your brothers, you know, even, listen, I in high school, I had a, it was a, a, a girl who was on the football team who was a kicker as well. So it wasn't, a, you know, for the better part of the time, you know, it was all, it was a brotherhood, but it was even a sisterhood for a moment. Like, yes. <laughs> and, and she was able to kind of come in and she was a kicker on the team and and she it was a testament to the power of the game that this world that is dominated by a lot of man boy energy can make room for a high school girl to come in and be a part of it because she because we can meet up at the common ground that was football so you know there's something very special about the, t- the team every team sport but especially in football um because of how complex it is you know fo- f- football players get get a bad rap for being like dumb jocks and everything and i and i always say i would like to i'd like to see the common person come in and and be able to understand the <laughs> the strategy of a playbook for one position let alone you know like <laughs> multiple positions and, and and whatnot, you know. So, yeah, man, I, I think that the the relationships were all ultimately taken care of by the dynamics that the game allowed you to engage and the different ways that the game allowed you to engage your mind, your body, your emotions. Um, I mean, shoot, your your spirit. I mean, you you're gonna get together before a game and, and say a prayer. And after a game and meet up in the middle of the field, we're going to say a prayer. We're going to, you know, somebody, so you score a touchdown, you're going to take a knee and and, 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 and give thanks. <laughs> you know, it, it, there's all these different, the consciousness that the game cultivates yeah. is, is priceless, let alone just the experiences that, that create bonds and that, that you overcome the things you have to overcome and the, and the things that you, uh, the, the, the victory, the, 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 that, thrill of of winning <laughs> whether it's a game or whether it's a matchup or whether it's just outthinking somebody because you're you're able to anticipate what they do because you did you did your homework a little better yeah you know? <laughs> yeah i mean the beauty the what i say with the beauty of football man um as you kind of uh alluded to you know um is the fact that you have people from all walks of life that come together for a same common goal regardless of social economic status you know religion background you know and and, and people come from a co- for a common goal to account to accomplish a common goal i think that's that's the beauty of football or whatever i really kind of look back at you know we talked about the bonds that, that, that the sport has created for you 
how was football an outlet for you with, as you mentioned, you know, you know, growing up, your parents split up at two, um, kind of going back and forth between Chicago, New York, as I, you know, as I recall, and, and, and how, how did you use football? How was football used as an outlet for you to kind of escape from that and, and also kind of, um, express some of your, 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 maybe your, your frustration and anxiety, you know, regarding dealing with, you know, um, growing up in a single parent home, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, you know, I think on the, the most surface level is, uh, com- com- competition. You know, I think that the, you're, the, some people are just born competitors and it's not to say, that those people are better than other than those who are not or, or anything to that effect. But when you <clears throat> have a competitive drive in you, it's it's consuming it, it, it consumes your focus. And uh, there are times in life where things happen that you can't explain. Things happen that you don't want that you didn't want to have happen. And uh, and parents, you know, as a parent now I recognize it differently because you do the you work with what you got you do the best that you can um but sometimes you do things that just are unintentionally more detrimental and the the uh, the reality of having like uh, to move and have promises be made that oh yeah you're still gonna see your dad on the weekend just like how it was which was like clearly not the case um and and having to miss the man that was my dad because we just had had a a great relationship like i said two different households but there was really that was the norm so it was like all right that's my daddy's there so the frustration that can happen when there's a break like that where your life, the order of your life is shifted and yet you can't, you don't know why it's happening and you don't know um, how to address it. You don't really have any control over it. Then you uh, playing football for me was that, that consuming competitive space that could take my mind and allow me to actually not be naive to or naive or in denial as to what's happening but just genuinely engage a space where i could be completely present and where i could be uh where i could express physically what was going on in me because all all we knew was you go hard you go you you know you go you give it you, you hit hard you run Faster, faster, faster. You know how we were how we were trained by a Conrad. When you're running, you're just saying faster, faster in your mind. So that push and that drive became something that not, not only consumed the attention of the time, but also gave you something to take with you once you were back in that world. Because you could push beyond those frustrating feelings. You could push beyond those challenging moments by just saying faster, faster, or stay in it, stay in it. Don't quit. Don't quit. And and kind of almost create, turn, bring that competitive nature into your life. You're like competing with yourself to make sure you don't lose to the thoughts that would otherwise kind of have you 
buckle under the pressure and or 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 buckle in another way and go down one of those routes you know that that we had as an option throughout our entire childhood like we could have been out on the block we could have been been out there banging with everybody else but that was that was a competition in itself like i'm not gonna go into that Mm -hmm. life i'm going to push on towards something bigger i'm gonna be the and then and then it could happen in in school i'm gonna be the 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 best student in the class you know i'm gonna be the uh the (laughs) the the smartest uh, and i'm gonna have the best grades and whatnot and so yeah football cultivated that competitive um uh nature that was a a salvation you know (laughs) in the midst of a time where it could have been crushed by the realities of life that we didn't have the context to make sense of yet. You know, if that makes any no, sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And then, and, and, and I appreciate you sharing that um, with the game of football. Okay. I mean, obviously there's so many um, things you learn about the game of life, playing a team sport like football, right? Um, what, what, what would you say? What life lessons you learned? Did you just say you, you would take, you take away from the game of football and, of those life lessons that you've learned, how do you apply those in in your life as a father and as a as a musician? Mm. Well, man, there's so many. I think, ironically, one of the biggest lessons it comes in a it's like a it's a little bit bittersweet because if you take the beginning of football and how there was just a joy in the game when you kind of fast forward to the end of uh of of the football career at least on the field in college their joy was still there but as you know the 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 politics of the game and other facets of it can come in and choke out some of that joy and and then when you're on the field you get tense in ways that keep you from performing in the ways that you would have otherwise just performed into yes. your, you know, and you get in your head, you start thinking about what you're going to do as opposed to just mm-hmm. doing it. And, and I think to be able to look back on, uh, on those later years of playing the game and recognize kind of, there's like a lament where I feel like, dang, I could have enjoyed that on a deeper level um, had I just showed up to the moment with what I had in and let go of some of the other things that were starting to get way too cerebral and just not even related to the game just get things that were that were seeping in to, to ultimately compromise my ability to be present yes. and if there's anything that is like at the center of everything that I do, it's the desire and best effort to be present. And I know, I know those moments in, in there's there's a, we used to make fun of people, you know, kind of like growing up talking about, yeah, you're going to be talking about your glory days. We we, we, uh, um, you know, kind of quoting above the rim. We used to watch like, oh man, can't erase who we were. Can't erase who we were. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, God rest his soul, man. Yeah. You know, but like the reality being like now I look at it and it's true. You can't erase these 
special moments because of what they were and what they really were was just being present. It was showing up. And once you showed up, you you could do anything. You could accomplish whatever you were going to set your mind to. So being able to walk with that and have a the 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 physical sensation in in my body of like remembering those moments where we were just flying around, flying through space, where we were just it was it was a joy to just exert everything you had. The fact that we could play football for five hours in the summer mm -hmm. <laughs> just outside yeah. in the heat just playing like i couldn't i don't know if i could just go and walk around for five hours back, back in the day so, i cleared in park yeah yeah man come on like that it, it, so that's that thing if i were to try and narrow it down there's so many lessons but the biggest lesson of being present and and having fun yes it, like letting the letting the joy of it lead you into the rest of the work we wanted to train we wanted to practice working out was not something that was like oh no i gotta go work out it was like we had to stop working out we had to try to not overdo yeah. it you know <laughs> we had to try <laughs> and, and, and i wish we would have had some more guidance because we probably wouldn't have got some of the injuries we had if we had people telling us how to lift properly, how to how to stretch properly in, in, in deeper ways, you know, and getting into the real science of the game and, and all that. Indeed, man. Um, talk um, briefly about how um, your love for the game um, kind of boosted. When, when, when was it? Matter of fact, when was uh, when did you realize um, that you wanted to pursue to play the game of football at the college level? Like when? Was it before high school or when you got to a certain point, maybe sophomore, junior, high school, that you said, you know what, I, I really want to pursue playing this game at the next level? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was Pop Warner. I mean, it was never there. The, I, I think it would, I'd have to look at that, approach that question the other way. The question was, when did I realize that I wasn't going to try and go to the NFL? Yeah. <laughs> it, was always, <laughs> it, was, it was always like, I'm going to play this thing till the wheels fall mm -hmm. off. Um, and, and then so, yeah, I think it was that, that I had the opposite moment of like right before I was getting ready to go to college of choosing between playing in a D1 program and 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 going even harder or going to a school that allowed me to do some more of the things that I was going to uh that I wanted to build and knowing that I didn't necessarily want to have the uh the obligation uh, the commitment of my time uh go to football in the ways that I w that I was otherwise you know heading towards and so that was the Th that was way more of the distinction because football was always going to happen in college. It was always going to be, uh, it was just always going to happen. It was just a question of where, which is beautiful in itself, you know, like not every, not all of our, of our peers were even thinking about college, but football made it like, well, you, you, you're going to college no matter what. And I think we were going to go to college anyway, but football cemented it. It was like, well, where do you play football after high school? <laughs> and, and like well, yeah. college, all right. So we're definitely going to college. We definitely play college, but we watch college football so much on TV. It was like, oh yeah, we gonna go there. I mean, we were playing with college kids 
when we were <laughs> in eighth grade, seventh grade. So it was like, it was already, it was definitely college football was gonna. Yes. <laughs> tell tell the uh, the listeners about your your college football experience. I believe when you played at Amherst University. Yeah, Amherst, Amherst College. College. So, so that was at the D two mm-hmm. or D three program. Talk about talk about that experience. What led D three D three? What led you to to go to Amherst um, College? And what was your experience like playing playing ball there as as a student athlete? Yeah. So. I was going, I was going to go to UPenn. That was the only school I wanted to go to for a while. And I got in, got all, got, got the financial package that I needed. And as I was just saying a second ago, like there was this moment where I just recognized the commitment of what was going to be at a UPenn, which is D1, but Ivy League and versus uh, Amherst where I could one the school appealed to me because it was in this college town that had five colleges. So there's a five college consortium. You go to all these different schools and take classes at any of them, but you can have the kind of the intimacy of a of a smaller uh, school. So you weren't just a number per se. So going to play ball at Amherst when you know that used to be an insult that we would throw around as a kid like man you're gonna go play d3 football like (laughs) and so there was this degree of humility and context that was just saying again like okay i'm going to go here and i'm gonna go play football for the love of it i'm not gonna go play football in a program that's gonna tell me what i have to do and how i have to do it and i actually you know it 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 led to some deeper discoveries because a good chunk of the people who were playing were also you you play for the love of the game at that point you know like Amherst was not a school where you were going to get a football scholarship now if you were a football recruit there they might be able to uh, you know help you get different type of financial packages and whatnot to uh, to help for I was fortunate to be able to you know have a a, a strong enough academic showing that I was able to get into the school alone on the academic side of things. And so really that allowed me to just play the football for the love of it. So the, the, the kind being in this environment where you have athletes who you got athletes who are just as, just as fast, just as big, just as strong as a D2 and D1 program. You don't have as many as you're going to find and in in a D1 program and the biggest difference I think is probably just consistency in the D1 program the dude who runs a 4-3-40 and is playing the dude who runs a 4-3-40 is, is repping out 30 reps at, uh, with two plates and is playing wide out you know <laughs> is is operating on a different level of consistency and it's and it's a testament to the programs you know the the programs that make you practice year round or let me not say let me not get anybody in trouble that <laughs> <laughs> that that ask you to to practice all year yes. round but but only at organized practices you know do, do you have to go to in, in those periods so <laughs> but you know i think being at uh at Amherst 
me, it, football was a part of a bigger context. It wasn't the only thing. And that gave me a different relationship with it for better and for worse. Like I was saying before, there were things about it that to have certain people who were in that environment who were, who, who some people made it, took the fun out of it because of just dynamics. I don't think they were trying to take the fun out of it. I just think they weren't able to communicate um effectively how to just be loose it was like you're trying to say hey, hey be loose like this be loose like this it's like you can't do that and you're, you're referring <laughs> to the coaching staff correct there are different people in the coaching staff that that i would have appreciated a different approach with for sure um and at the same time you know i i, I also tip my hat to pretty much collectively I didn't have issues with my coaching staff like that on a uh, on a whole you know and and when I'm kind of getting into the the finer points of it now it's as a grown man who's looking back and saying okay somebody could have reached me a little differently somebody could have coached me up a little differently but I take my own responsibility I could have also looked at it differently you know I could have I could have processed it effectively True. So, you know, we, we, everything is, everything, there's two sides to every coin, you know, and, and, and so you, you try and uh, process things in a way that don't have you have to walk around carrying resentment or animosity uh, towards anybody. But yeah, man, all in all, I think getting, playing ball at Amherst was great because you, you showed up and you played because you wanted to. You, and, and, and on D, on the D3 level, I found that there were, a lot of the people who are playing football. Football is not a not a not an easy game, you know. It's not a it's not something that uh, requires a little bit. You got to be in it, you know. And again, that's probably in part that same competitive thing in me. But you you know you show up. If you don't show up the right way, you could really get hurt. <laughs> you, Indeed, you, yes. <laughs> yeah. What would you say <laughs> was the uh, the highlight of your uh, college football uh, experience? At Amherst. Ah, man. So, huh. yeah, the the cool, the fun thing about in, in in college, I started to become a, a all the physical nature of the game, and I was I was playing wide out in high school. Yeah, play everything just because that was just how it was. You just play every position at, at that point. <laughs> Any position you could play, you played. Yeah. Um, so in, in high school, things focused uh, in, and I was playing wide out, but I was the same physical, but bigger, stronger, and faster at that point. So I was really like, when I look at it, you know, I'd say I was more like a, <laughs> I was like this fullback playing wide out, <laughs> not, not, no, not a fullback, but I was like, I was that wing guy who was going to go, you, you, you know, from back in the day, I always loved blocking. Like I, I, I enjoy blocking. So the, the a, a an ironic highlight of of uh, my college career is actually a low moment where I had um, I had sprained my MCL my uh, my June my senior year and um, we uh, I thought I was going to be able to get it back and, and be ready to roll uh, for us to play against Tufts okay. and we were looking we were in, in good shape this season like we were I think we had only lost one game at that point and 
the uh, and we had a running back who was a monster. His name was Fletcher Ladd, and he was just just a beast. He just didn't go down. You know, he's, he's one of them dudes. <laughs> refused to like, go down. I got you. Refused to go down. It's like he run into a pile, and you're like, oh, okay, wait, huh? And you just see him come stumbling out, running with like a piece of his pads falling off and one shoe on, and <laughs> just like Damn, beast mode. Okay. Oh, beast mode all day. Just like you. He was a monster and and just a cool dude too. And so, and he was coming back. So he was kind of almost like a, and, and it's like a, like a red shirt season essentially because he got uh, um, injured uh, in the junior year. Anyhow, we were going to play Tufts and I, I so I, I didn't get to play that game. And it was on our, like a, a senior week or something like that. I forget. It was something that was being honored at the end of the game. But I remember Fletch, we the team lost the game, but in, all throughout film and everything, it was this moment where I I was able to really appreciate what I meant to the team because it was literally like coaches and all the running backs being like, "Oh yeah, we lost that game because you didn't play. Like <laughs> we couldn't. We had. I was getting. I was getting crushed on the edge. I was getting there. That your block." your blocking was missing, you know? And that's like a, a, this paradigm shift for me of, you know, a, a wide out, you want the ball. <laughs> you want to, and, and as much as I love blocking, you still want the ball. You still want to <laughs> have that glory. You still, you want to, you want to put moves on people. You want to get touchdowns. And so it, it was a, again, that's what I say. It was a very ironic moment because it was a low moment. That was a high moment where, I became I, I appreciated where I was in the game and understanding what my meaning and value was to the team. And for when you're blocking as a skilled position, it's very easy to think like you are not are you're failing in some degree, you know, <laughs> like you're not <clears throat> you're not getting the, the it's like a secondary role, you know, and that that thing i think it it, it it put me into a different type of head space that allowed us to once i came back i was just ready to roll you know and uh and, and we closed that season out you know the at, with the highest moment mm -hmm. where we, we we won our last game against our rivals against williams and i just remember again another kind of like high low moment where the reality like hit after that, that those final seconds ticked off the clock, that it was over, you know, and it was just like this surge of emotion of like all of it. I, mean, I got goosebumps just thinking about it right now. Like it was like all the years of playing the game, all the memories, they all came to that moment, and I just broke down. Yeah. I was just laying at, lay, laid out on the field, like ecstatic that we won happy to go out on top and and yet just like deeply like mourning a, like the loss of a friend almost you know like it's yeah. like it, it, it's a a very a very high low or <laughs> a very low high <laughs> i de definitely know the feeling man um yeah when you're when you're finally hanging up the plates man i mean i think it, all athletes, especially especially football players, we all go go have that time, man. It all comes to a point in time where, where it comes to an end and and dealing with that. Um, and, and I just want to switch gears here again. Uh, so I appreciate you sharing that story. 
Because um, obviously, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you, you come from a family uh, full of musicians. Um, do you recall a certain age? Um, obviously, you, obviously, it's in your genes, but you recall a certain age and time where you fell in love with music. I remember when we were younger, you know, you had like a, a, a little guitar or something like that. You, you would play from time to time, but you never, you know, you kind of did your own thing. You would never really you know, practice much of, of your uh, musical skills in, in front of me and other people. But I, obviously I knew that was a passion of yours. So how old were you when you fell in love with, with music? Would you, would you say? Uh, so, you know, I think there's phases of it. It was, it was always there. It was so much a part of me that, you know, something that's with you forever. It's hard to figure out when it starts. You know, um, at the at the same time, there are these phases where the love becomes real, on on different levels. So, you know, I mean, my father, like I said, he's a guitarist. So I had my first guitar when I was four years old, and I. Mm, I remember playing a gig with my father. <laughs> we're in the city and we're just playing the blues on the guitar. When I was like, I had to be five or six. Oh, wow. And, um, and the, so, so having these like kind of like landmarks along the way where being in the, in the creative space, uh, just like, kind of added exponentially over time this passion for the music that was that's in my DNA um the uh the the role of music has it, it's just been such a constant that I, I think I came into the fullness of it leave I came into the fullness of it leaving college because I was like okay I I'm choosing where I want to to go in life right now. What do I want to do? And uh, everything was kind of geared up for me to go do law school first, and then kind of like have a few years of trying to just stack money and and position myself, uh, and then uh, and then immerse in in the creative. Uh, essence of who I am yeah. for the forever you know and and I and that just that just couldn't happen I just the 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 love was there you know and I couldn't see myself going and sitting in law school half ass you know while I wanted to be indulging in my in the rest of my development as a musician as a songwriter as a singer as a guitarist um, as a performer, um, it, I, I had had the, 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 the bug was there at that point. And, and going back even, you know, there is, there's a definitive moment where I had to be about, I want to say 12 or 13. I was in New York visiting my father for a summer and I, and it was the first time I heard Donny Hathaway. And my dad played me Donny uh, Donny Hathaway collection, a CD of basically like the base uh, greatest hits of Donny Hathaway, and I I sat on a couch and listened to it and sobbed like a baby. Like it was just it. His voice moved me, and and everything in me at that point knew like, oh yeah, this is 
this is what you're going to do with your life. Like you are going to, you're going to sing, <laughs> you're going to create music and everything else is just to support that. <laughs> you know, every, whether it was the, everything academically was to support the ability to m move in a world where I was making music, everything, everything on the football field was giving me context and, and 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 vice versa and then everything that I was doing musically was going to equip me to do whatever else I was going to do so there was this real kind of harmony no, no pun intended that started to happen between music and the rest of my life where everything was framed through music everything was uh everything was able to work with me acknowledging that the music in me was me it's like I, I, it's on it's on my uh i think it's on my ig page or facebook that it's just like that's my tagline or something music music is not what i do it's who i am yeah. and 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 so that's that's been a reality and there's just different moments where that reality was reinforced and and, and or expanded or expounded upon you know and um and yeah and that's and it's constant now it's just it's it's breath to breath there's not a there's not a single thing that happens that doesn't go come back to music that doesn't come back to the the creativity and the sense of identity that i have as a musician um and yeah yeah would you would you say obviously your your parents are musicians? Um, besides their influence in you and your music musical talents and, and abilities and and drive to pursue your, your your passion for music, would you as you mentioned the, the Donny Hathaway album? Would would you say that was the maybe the, the third biggest force that kind of made you want to to pursue um, you know a career in music after college, or was there was there another big influencer? outside of your parents that made you just you know besides just your, your passion for music and say you know what I, I want to pursue this instead of going to law school um you know it was it, it, it's a culmination of the experiences you know I I took in the in real time I couldn't understand the gravity of the musical environment I was in I mean my father is working with Miles Davis, Bill, uh, working on the Cosby Show, working on on TV, doing things, uh, musical director, on doing New York Undercover back in the oh, day. Yeah, I remember that. And uh, and working with every artist that you can imagine in the, in the studio, you know. And and so I was with him at a lot of these sessions in in a lot of these different worlds. KRS One. Uh, Dougie Fresh back I mean early in the hip hop days my dad was the guy who's playing who's recreating the lines that the hip hop cats wanted to sample because he could just he was a musician so he could go in and play it or play it a little differently so that way you know the, they didn't have to pay for the licensing to sample something because you got a guy who could take the idea understand what happened and play it so being in that environment in that creative space um, and just some of the people who I now who are like uncle such and such uncle such and such and i and i'm passionately against name dropping so i don't i i look at the at the people as the people who were there and i appreciate them for 
what what they've done but being able to be in uh in a band what my dad was in a band that had just some of the most phenomenal musicians and people who are responsible for so much music on the production end on the writing end that that you love that you know and being in those those rooms that really was the it was the all of those experiences together that were shaping the the actual stuff you know it was the it was the things that make the moments that were speaking to me as opposed to um instances um and and even when i speak about you know that moment of hearing that donny hathaway uh album it was having this point of contact with a special special force um uh, that just sparked off this this deep passionate curiosity that was allowing that that could keep me engaged you know and and that's the you know i think that's the the beauty of it and the and the infinite nature of music of how you know it just it, it it's infinite yet within our you know western music as as most as, as what we listen to uh we got 12 notes and, and yet there's still new songs and you got people working with these same 12 notes to create new things and find all the the different ways of uh, of of looking at what you have in order to say what you need to say in a moment and i think the the musical experiences helped to shape my perspective in a way that were it was always creating a bond with music it was always saying okay yeah you are going to this is who this is who you are and this is what you're going to do and then uh once it was time to be a be an adult <laughs> and uh and have to go out there in the world and um uh and live that that's what was i was i was equipped to to bet on myself uh when it came to pursuing that passion because not pursuing it would have was was way too it was like that was a death you know as far as i concerned it as i was concerned it was like all right there's no i'm not gonna go sit someplace and and be going back to what i was saying about football i'm not gonna go be partially present yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna show up and i can't <clears throat> i can't show up to law school right now with my heart i could have shown up there intellectually and academically and um and been fine but it wouldn't the continuity would not have been there yes now as a as a uh, you know student athlete in college were you still playing um any, any any instruments at all were you you know doing any music on the side you know even just a little bit kind of pick up the guitar or, or writing any songs then or you just after the college football career came to a close you just started to just focus your full energy back back on your on on, on your music uh, no, I was uh, I was definitely all I always had a guitar with me, um, and I was a music minor at Amherst. Um, although I didn't, I will be honest, I did not take academic my academic study of music. <laughs> I didn't take it very seriously. Um, I, I got what I wanted to get out of it. Um, I could have gotten more, looking back in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but I always sang 
And I was in uh, I was in a cappella group at school in, in high school and in college and and was always writing and creating and I would I would come home uh, to I would come to New York uh, in between times and I was recording um, doing projects with my father doing projects with different artists and uh, and and producers and that was that was those are very um, informative years in terms of just um, developing my craft and understanding about music business in different respects getting getting kind of the real trial by fire um, and, and and being in it learning I learned uh, so much musically by just doing it by just being uh, showing up and so yeah it was it was always there throughout uh, throughout high school and college um, where I was whether I was actively performing doing doing performances at school um, with the group or just a solo performance um, or just an offshoot thing with some friends like hey we're gonna do a show um, it was always there okay um, and as I mentioned yeah I appreciate you sharing that um, but how yeah how soon would you say after the college football career ended that you just began to really just lock in and, and say hey if you really went to the lab and said you know I'm about to, I'm about to you know right put, put an album together you know how, how soon after your, your college career uh did you did, did you put put your first album out and really really get get in the studio and get a role so i released my first album in 2008 and it was in a an acoustic uh ep that i had to record in my living room um in harlem uh but I, I was writing music um, before I, I before I finished my football career. Like I, I was saying, like while I was in school, I was cataloging, and that's that's like that's been something that's just been in me. My father put that in me. You know, just keep creating, no matter yeah. what. You're always creating, and so uh, the process of working on an album has always been for me more of a a process of picking which songs are going to go together because I'm constantly writing songs I'm constantly creating so figuring out all right what's going to be the arc of this story that I want to tell with this album and am I going to am I going to take these very personal songs that are actually just reflecting my life at those moments Mm -hmm. and and make it almost like I'm just going to give you a piece of me in this album or am I going to tell a specific story that is all songs that are comprised of inspiration that I received from different things or just my imagination, you know? And, and so, um, that that's been constant since I'd, I'd say I, I was all, all throughout starting in high school, really. I was started after, once I moved back to New York, um, after freshman year of high school, uh, I was writing. I was writing songs and writing, writing music and composing, and and evolving and growing as a as a songwriter. Um, and then it was just a matter of what I had the time to do. So once football was over, there was this big, massive amount of space yeah. of like, okay, you're not training for a season. You're not 
thinking about next season you're not <laughs> you know they, it, it, that's a, a it's just so much like you know it, it's like you took all the training wheels off yeah. <laughs> and, and then they're like whoa okay i gotta uh, get my orientation get my my bearings together and figure out what do i do with all of this you know and and so that's what happened and there was that period of, again i graduated in 05 and um and and i was in productions and things i was doing theater that as soon as into in 2005 in the summer of 2005 i was in productions in the city um and touring in different shows by 2006 2007 um okay. and after i had come off from after i had kind of come off the road in 2000 end of 2007 or beginning of 2008 then i was really zeroing in on okay it's time to be full on in the music right now forgive if you if you might hear in the background my daughters are upstairs practicing violin if that's coming through i'm sorry no man i completely <laughs> understand um <laughs> Who were you say, um, aside from your parents, who were your biggest uh, uh, mentors and motivators in, in pursuing your music career, aside from your parents? My friends, um, the, the the community of, of friends that, that I was gravitating towards as I was just looking for where to be, uh, where to engage the craft. You know, I've been very, very, fortunate and blessed to just be have relationships with just out of this world talents and 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 people who uh are who are in a real life creative conversation that are constantly trying to refine the craft and constantly trying to push the limits and, and and explore their creative ability and so being in that conversation has been uh, the, the the biggest kind of influence um, and, and and has provided the most fuel and context and inspiration and um, I mean comfort in moments because it, it's not all you know, it's not all just like, yay, we, did, we make music, we did a show. You know, there's some there's some dark stuff you can touch on when you're trying to express all of yourself. You know, it's like it's uh, it, and and so, yeah, having the right support system, the right uh, group of people who are doing the same thing fundamentally, but doing it their way. That has been the 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 foundation and a and a great home base to be able to always return to and always live and travel with indeed um who you, who are your favorite music icons and influencers oh whew. um i mean there's so many yeah if you had but... to narrow it down to, to three to five Oh God! Okay. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Man. Well, Sorry. Uh, uh, well, Donny Hathaway, as I said, yep. you know, he's way, way up there. Uh, 
Miles Davis, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Wonder, um, uh, going more in the contemporary realm. You know, I, I dig John Legend. Uh, real cool cat. Um, but I love, I love Aretha. I love, you know, uh, Ella Fitzgerald. Okay. Um, uh, all, all legends. I got you. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it, that 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 list. I just you know we we could just keep rattling those. Yes, yes. It's just like, um, yeah, Usher is dope. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's so so many people who were who have influenced me. That's something that my dad put in me at a very young age. Was just like. Don't don't put any adjectives before a musician except for great and just <laughs> be open to all different types of music. Like don't be a don't be a, a, a R and B artist, don't be a hip hop artist, don't be jazz, blues, just be a musician, take it all in. So as a result, there's inspiration all around. It's just everywhere. You know, yeah. I I love her I love Roadhead. Shoot. I love, like, yeah. There's there's like it's just it's it's everywhere. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm a, a student uh, in a, of music, and, and so I'm learning constantly. So yeah, yeah. I know you mentioned earlier. You know, you're a pr- pretty modest guy. You didn't want to mention. You know, some of the the artists you, you've performed with, uh, some of the celebrities you had a chance to, to meet, and things of that nature. But I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the biggest artists and celebrities you had a chance to, to meet and work with? Uh, man, um, see, so, so the, the, <laughs> I, the, where I have to think about it is like there's certain artists who are big to me and what they and what my encounters with them are, and then there's people who everybody else goes, Oh my god, yes, <laughs> so you know, get there. And there's space that you, know, you get to work in where you get to be around phenomenal people. So you know, getting to be in in a studio where Herbie Hancock is is like ah for me. Um, that you know, forming with New Edition is 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 fun. Um, uh, Janelle Monae is a, a, a great force and just like beautiful energy i love some janelle uh, monet um, by the way yeah yeah she's she's special she's special um yeah you know um a lot it's hard to say who's you know biggest or i understand like they're just different people that come to mind i, I got you um <laughs> i know you i mean well I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you out there man i know you had a uh obviously had a chance to uh to meet and perform uh with, with your uh band um, at uh, Serena Williams' wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was. It's. It's. I mean, and that's where you know, you when you're in a in a room like that, you know, you have so many people there. Yeah, at the same time, the only person there was Beyonce. So, now, as far as I was concerned, I didn't even real. I didn't, I didn't realize anybody else, and I wasn't even. I wasn't in the Beehive or nothing like that. I wasn't that dude. I was kind of like, yeah, Beyonce, cool and everything. Uh-huh. But then, then I was in the room, and then she was right there, and it was like, oh, 
like angels singing around her. She just glows. <laughs> she got a special aura and, and just vibe. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, but, yeah, I, you know, so a, a moment that humbled me, though, in a, in the midst of, of a space of room where there's a lot of celebrities was probably even more so for me, like the years back we we were very very fortunate to perform for uh george lucas's wedding oh wow and and that was humbling from the standpoint of one just being in this environment where like i i joked around said if somebody if somebody blew up that building there'd be no more show business like it was just like everybody who's who of who but everybody who was there they were all real people Everybody was just chilling. Yeah. Nobody was. It was not an air of pretentious. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. It was like people were vibing, and that's something you know. That, again, like growing up in the industry, my father would always like it was done. He didn't have to be violent with me, but, <laughs> but it was early on. He was like, "I'm gonna tell you what you're not gonna do. You're not gonna go in this room and go in here." stargazing and acting like these people are not just people these are people and you can respect what they do but they are people don't don't let where what level of fame they have <clears throat> cause you to 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 lose yourself yes and and so i think as a result of that being instilled in me early on there is there's always just a relationship with you know with people that was just allowing to appreciate who they are for the KRS-One, man. KRS-One is a real, just a real dude, man. Like, just like, yes. Like, you know, there's some, there's some like really fun memories with people that are great artists, great celebrities that when you're with them, you just, you recognize really why they are where they are and why they are who they are. It's because they're special. It's because they show up. It's because the same thing we talked about with football. They're present. They're in the and they answer the call to show up to the moment. Yeah. And and that's what that people don't know that that's what they love about them. But what they really love is that these people are showing are 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 showing you themselves. They're saying, Hey, look, this is me. I'm here. I'm uh and I'm gonna practice in front of you with mastery, you know? Like yeah. that's <laughs> And so, yeah, I think they. Uh, I'm very, very grateful and fortunate to have gotten to be in the space with some, some very special, uh, creative beings. Indeed, and, and um, just to add to that, man, I know you, you know, uh, the childhood crush of mine, um, you know, uh, adolescent crush of mine, Alicia Keys. I know you know Alicia Keys of <laughs> Swiss Beats. Um, so you know, I and I don't know, you don't really talk too much about that that relationship, but um, I know you know them personally. You and your family know them personally. Have you ever worked with them at all musically, or you know, have t- had any talks about working with them musically? No, no, no you know, not, not we haven't worked together, and it's like you know the the extent of the personal relationship. It, it, we're not close friends or anything like that. We've we've been in in the in the same space and um and nurse respect what they do um so you know but what i what i what i work with them yeah totally you know if, if the 
the the right project was was there and the in the right space and everything like that it would be amazing you know um uh so yeah you know i think everybody is a, a lot of the creative process and community is uh a lot of it is very calculated and a lot of it is not a lot of it is just moments that where things line up yes people are available and in so, a moment of inspiration happens and so and, and someone is like all right uh let's let's do something let's do a project i i got the time uh, you got the time i'm we vibing we're in a spot and and and, and let's let's get with it so yeah yeah you know, I, yeah. yeah so i'm aware your daughters are also into music um you know for the listeners here explain that where their passion music comes from and and have you been able to and how have you been able to express your love for music with them Oh, uh, I think the same way that I try and parent them, just by example, it's who I am, you know. So mm-hmm. as far as exp- I, I, as a as an artist, I think there's this very delicate balance for artist parents, and you have some people who go hardcore in the paint, and they're like, "You're going to be, you're going to practice, practice, practice. You're going to be great, and I'm going to give you everything that's there." And then there's the other end of the spectrum where you don't want to create a uh, a negative relationship between your children and and the craft, and you want them to discover it and be able to own it, and and you want them to be intrigued by it and and inspired by it. So I think the the challenge is really to try and immerse them in the space where there is music always and that's not a challenge because that's what that's what my space is defined by so being available for the conversation the challenge for me is to to understand myself in the ways that allow me to be able to express it and communicate it to them when they ask or when opportunities arise what's what's happening in the moment and what and and how the music applies to it so to um to i i guess it's it's just kind of keeping the and there's instruments all over they have guitars that have look they're the same way that my dad got me a guitar a little small guitar to, to play they have them they have they're they've been playing the violin yeah. for two years now that's part of their school um which has been amazing um and um and they sing so they're they they get to i want i will never stop them from being around me while i'm creating so i have a studio in the house if they want to come in here you know they know the studio rules they know what <laughs> what not to touch and 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 when you know when they yeah. when to ask questions is you know they're children so trying to <laughs> temper them is, a, is is what it is uh, and just yeah so it requires patience and, and at the same time and just trying to give them the love that's the biggest thing that I try and give them the love by loving what I do and and, the, and to love something is to be really intrigued and, and curious and considerate of that and so that's how I approach the music in me and as a result that's how I approach the music in them. And and now it's just a matter of kind of 
connecting the dots. I'm always, I'm always saying everything. Everything is all about vocabulary and context. We have words that we understand or phrases. If it's in music, we have melodies and harmonies and rhythms that are there that we can develop a vocabulary. And then the context is about how we see it and hear it and how we're able to utilize that vocabulary in order to tell a story, in order to express something, in order to communicate. And so the having children is for has put a demand on me to understand more about what I do intuitively and what I what's in me and, and, and so that I can explain it to a a, a four-year-old <laughs> explain it to a, a nine-year-old which is 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 beautiful yeah. they don't you can't just say certain things to a, a kid who has not experienced things they're like I don't I don't know what that means so you gotta <laughs> you gotta simplify yeah. it and that and that helps me because sometimes <laughs> again like just like football we can overcomplicate yeah. things sometimes and lose you know we lose the joy of it we got we don't just get out there get and dump it down through space and run on grass <laughs> you know yes yes now I, I know the twins play um the violin pretty competitively uh it, it, and your, your youngest um so Anita, she um, is, is at she, the is she instruments right now? where she if, if you leave it around she'll pick it up <laughs> she'll go okay. and, and mess with it she hasn't entered into that yeah. that disciplined <laughs> portion where she's um practicing something or whatnot and and i and i love it like that you know she's she's discovering but she sings she she will you know yes. I think all they're, they're surrounded by singers. You know, my wife sings. I'm a singer. All the all of our friends are singers. Yeah. <laughs> like it's um, it's like they they're around it so much that we'll catch them. You know, you uh, I'll be in, in the in the lab working on something, and I'm just singing through something, and I hear one of them behind me harmonizing with me perfectly, and I'm like, whoa, hold on. Who, who, who said that? Who did that? I mean, you know, I have, I have a whole recording that I'm probably going to release at some point yeah. of one of the twins who was in the studio while I was writing a song and she just, hum, she like hummed a line that was so beautiful. I was like, wait a minute, come over here. And I just put the, I put the, put the headphones on her, put her in front of the mic. And I was like, I'm just going <laughs> to hit the, let the song play and you just sing whatever comes to mind. And she sang on one take from the beginning of the song to the end of it, just improvising ideas over what I had done. And it's it's one, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Like literally just phenomenal. So, I mean, they're teaching me about music just as much as I'm teaching them and, uh, and discovering these these instruments and things by just, and voices by just being around. So yeah, Nia, Nia's Indeed. getting it too. She's just, she, you know, Nia's special. Nia does what Nia wants to do in Nia's time. Okay. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. That's a beautiful thing, man. Now, I appreciate your time, man. Mm -hmm. I know it's been a long call. I appreciate your time. And I have one, one last little question here um, in reference to your, your, your music career. Um, what what last what lasting impact or imprint um, mm. do you plan to leave for your children and for future generations to come? You know, with your musical talents, hopefully. Um, a love for the moment and a love for the process. 
um, that, you know, that creates the, the space, you know, that's, that's what I believe I'm, I'm here to on earth for is to create space. And so the music is a medium to set a tone, to um, inspire uh, thought, to challenge, um, to celebrate, um, and, and to discover, you know? And so I hope that whatever I, whatever my creative output is, that they're all points of contact with that fundamental desire in me to create the space, to leave it better, leave it better than you, than when you found it. That's something my coach in, in college, I had coach would say whenever we were on road trips, <laughs> he would say, we go into a room, it, it better look better than it did when, when you got there, you know? And, and so, you know, I, I appreciate stuff like that. And, and I hope that, um, uh, even I even check myself as I'm saying that hearing that like by better I mean um more you know just it's not even about being on a on a on a scale of uh right and wrong better good bad worse you know it's just about are you adding to the moment um are you putting more of yourself and and because I believe each person really is a unique and special being everybody has this essential thing to present that nobody else can present it doesn't matter if singing the same song nobody else can sing the song the way you can sing the song and nobody else can hear the song the way you can hear the song even if there's similarities or even if it's almost the same so i i hope to to leave an inspiration to um to be present to pursue questions uh, over answers and to re- to pursue questions and, and receive answers, you know, as you're in, in pursuit and, and hopefully the, yeah. the music and, and, and creative output again reveals that there's layers, that there's always more to discover, that, the, that it's a point of contact with the infinite, with the, the love supreme, with all that with the with the universe with the with the wholeness you know that's something i'm always saying also is make sure your desire to be whole is greater than your desire to be right so that that's that's it i want to inspire people to just get a little more whole a breath at a time (laughs) very well said my brother and i i greatly appreciate your time today man i know you're a busy man got to you know, I got a lot going on. Obviously, I have a full family at the house waiting on you. So, I appreciate your time. I love you back, man. Anytime. Um, I love you. Know. you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing family your and, story, man. And I love what you're doing. Uh, I, I'm excited to see just where the podcast grows to, and um, and yeah, man, I'm excited for uh, excited for this football season. I apologize to you in advance for the lack of success that the Bears will probably experience this year, and you know. There's some things that need to be put in in place before we can get things right. And <laughs> I look forward to seeing y'all. I think it's week two, right? Is it, I don't know, it's the Giants, we got y'all week two. 
the Giants, the Giants, hey, I, 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 I admire Saquon Barkley. Oh, He's a hell of an athlete. Oh. Uh, other than Saquon, man, you guys are trash. And um, I'm just going to. Hey man, you know, and I might as well just get ready for the twenty twenty one draft. So um, we're gonna we're gonna leave it at that. But no, man, no. I hope hope the Giants uh, show up and show out this season. Um, I do have a, a former student athlete I had the pleasure of, of working with um, years ago uh, when I was coaching and training athletes. Um, who's who's playing nice. for you guys? He got drafted last year. Uh, kid named Julian Love. So. I'm excited for him to see his growth and, and see Amazing, um, him contribute um, in New York um, in the second year, man. So, but yeah, I appreciate your time, man. I love you. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign, do my Amazing, signature man. sign off, man. And, and I'll be in touch and talk to you soon. But uh, love you too. Um, uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Football 360. I'm your host, Kareem Timbers. 